Welcome to Gray Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Gray Story Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Before we jump right in, I do want to say whatever platform you're joining the conversation from today, we would love for you to subscribe, download, follow, uh, leave a five-star rating, uh, maybe even a review. It helps out so much in spreading the podcast and all of the content we share here. If you do like this episode, go ahead and uh, share this with someone that you know uh, through messaging or through Facebook, whatever it might be. Uh, we'd love for you to do that. The number one way that podcasts spread and the number one way that they grow is through word of mouth. So if you want to tell somebody about the podcast today, that would be awesome. Our guest today is Lori Wildenberg. i uh, tell you a little bit about her before she jumps into the show. Lori Wildenberg is an accomplished author, speaker, and licensed parent and family educator. With a heart dedicated to helping individuals and families navigate life's messiness, Lori brings a unique blend of biblical wisdom and practical insights to her work. She is the author of several books, including one entitled Messy Hope. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of that today. Uh, Lori offers a refreshing perspective on finding healing and growth in the midst of life's challenges. With over 25 years of experience in ministry and sharing resources, Lori brings a wealth of knowledge to her work. She is sought after as a speaker at conferences, retreats, and workshops. And at those places, she empowers individuals and families to embrace vulnerability, cultivate resilience, and deepen their relationships with God. Lori's genuine compassion, coupled with her expertise in family dynamics and mental health, makes her a trusted voice, and she is on Grace Story Podcast today. Uh, Lori, welcome to Grace Story Podcast. Hey, Nate. It's great to be here with you. It's good to have you. Uh, you were recommended by a friend uh, to be on the podcast. Uh, we always enjoy the recommendations. If you have someone, as you're listening out there, that you think should be on the show, send us a message, Nate at GraceStoryMinistries.com. Uh, but Lori, you're one uh, that's been through, I was telling you in the pre-show, we could have gone pretty much anywhere with this podcast. You have uh, a, a, a wonderful wealth of knowledge, lots of resources. Um, you have a great story, a challenging story, sad at times as well. Uh, but for this episode, I, I figured I'd just, you know, why why siphon it down to just one thing? Let's go everywhere uh, with your, every topic you've ever done. So I have questions about just about everything. But why don't we start with kind of dipping into your story a little bit, your background. Uh, why do you have the passion for what you do and being, well, sort of a resource broker um, for families and individuals on the journey of restoration? Uh, what is your story and where does that passion come from? Sure. So how I... I got into this gig, I guess you would say, is um, when I was a little kid, I always wanted to be a mom and I always wanted to be a teacher. And I, after post-college, I got a teaching job right away. And then Tom and I married and the mom thing wasn't happening right away. And uh, I can tell you that was a dark few years for me. That was tough. And um and we had always wanted to have four children. And so we um, adopted, we ended, well, we'd always wanted to have four kids and we thought we would adopt our youngest, our fourth. But God flipped our plans upside down and we adopted our oldest. And then we had three more the old fashioned way. And by the time we were working on, ba we were having baby number three, um, I, I stayed home full time. And I love being a mom and I had missed teaching. And while we were raising our kids, our, our oldest, she had some learning disabilities and we really needed some extra help. And so I would, I started taking parenting classes and I thought, I love this. And if I could weave my being a mom, my faith and teaching into what would be, you know, God's path for me, my purpose, uh, that would be so awesome. And that is what the Lord ended up doing with me. So I started teaching um, parenting classes from a Christian perspective at my church. And 
God has just continued to bless that. Um, I guess I never expected to be an author. That wasn't anything that was in my brain. Um, when I started teaching my parenting classes, they were surprised. I mean, it kind of shocked me. They were so well received that I needed to get small group leaders. Um, it wasn't what I pictured. I thought I would just have a small group of people that, you know, I would facilitate, but it ended up being a large group and I needed at least 10 small group leaders. Well, one of those 10 approached me and said that she'd always wanted to write a book and that this was the material. And I'd previously been against that. People had asked me to put it in book form and I I said to him, I've got four little kids. You can take notes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, um, somehow I ended up agreeing to write a book with the material that was in this class. And that book led to two more books, which I co-authored with Becky Danielson. And then the next three books that I've written on my own, um, those have been born out of some places of, of difficulty. Um, the Messy Life of Parenting, Messy Journey, How Grace and Truth Offer the Prodigal Away Home, and Messy Hope, Help Your Child Overcome Anxiety, Depression, or Suicidal Ideation. So um, I think those are the, the books that you were really particularly drawn to as well. And yeah, um, God takes our hard stuff, doesn't he? And he, he has us learn from it. He comes alongside us. He draws us closer during those hard times. And then he pushes us a little beyond so that we can help somebody else in the way that he has helped us. Yeah. It, it, it makes me think that maybe the reason why all of your, your you mentioned that your classes were successful. People tend to uh, gravitate towards leaders and individuals who, who speak on topics that have been there. Maybe not just learned the material, but have been there and can speak from their own experiences, which it sounds like you have been vulnerable in many ways in your writings and your teachings. And maybe we'll go right there with uh, maybe, could you share a specific example of how you've embraced vulnerability carefully, and then maybe how that has brought healing growth to your own life, uh, or, or maybe to someone you know, but specifically maybe about you. Yeah, that vulnerability thing is pretty tough. And and it is hard if you are a private person. I guess I don't feel the the need to have to like look good or perfect, but I do have a a pretty se good sense of privacy. Mm -hmm. And so um and not that you disclose private things, but personal things. And the Lord has continued to move me out of my little comfort zone to reach out to help people. And, and in two very specific ways, um, one, our oldest daughter was a prodigal for a period of, well, actually estranged from us for a period of a few months. And that was how Messy Journey was birthed. And then also the situation with um, my youngest daughter experiencing depression and had, praise God, a failed suicide attempt. And, but along with that, the Lord also needed to move my two girls to be vulnerable as well and to participate in those projects because if they didn't feel comfortable with that, I would not have moved forward. Um, out of respect and love for them. So God moved in their hearts in the same way that he moved in in my heart and um, encouraged both of those books, Messy Journey and Messy Hope, um, and the stories to be told in there so that someone else can be helped during those hard things and find hope. Um, hope rises in the mess. You know, you really don't need hope until you're in kind of a hopeless and hard situation. Yeah, I like to ask this question when I hear people sharing. Uh, I don't even know the word to describe. Is, is it personal? Is it just tragic? I, I don't know. Um, but when people are sharing those, I think about, you know, we have storytellers at Great Story Conference. We have people come on the show and they 
they share their stories and there's others listening out there that they're like, Hmm, I would like to share my story. There's others that are like, I'm never sharing anything. Um, but how did you <laughs> ride that balance, especially with something so sensitive, um, as you know, ending your own life or, you know, estranging yourself from your own family, uh, even your own story in, in many ways, how did you ride that balance? And also how did you, how did you maybe, because I'm sure it happened. How did you field questions from people that you could tell maybe that they're less interested in how to move through their mess and they were more interested in your mess and getting the beats, <laughs> uh, for their next dinner party. Uh, how did you, you know, figure out how to walk the balance in, in all of that? Uh, wisdom and fear, <laughs> I think, <laughs> you know, you really have to pray for God's wisdom and discernment in, in terms of what you share and how you share it and with whom you share it. And, um, so when people are asking questions and it's pretty obvious, it's a little bit more not in order to receive help or even to offer comfort, mm -hmm. but just a curiosity. Um, you know, I, I definitely am careful with that. So to be wise in, in who you share things with, um, it is tough because my stories are out there. Mm. So people feel fairly comfortable asking about it. And I, I need to recognize that they may not necessarily be trying to delve into my personal life. It's just that it's out there. Um, and so God and I have had lots of conversations about what to share, what not to share. And, um, and for me, whatever I have, um, either in my speaking, writing, or in these sort of conversations, I make sure that whatever I am going to talk about and I have said, I run it by my kiddos first. Mm. Because if I'm going to use them in my in the stories, they need to be fully on board and completely a okay with it. And so, um, I think that's one of the the biggest things is that if you are going to be speaking either just one on one or to a big crowd, you better make sure that what you're saying um, is respectful to the person that you know may be a part of that story. So I, I think that's one of the biggest things. But the, the fear thing, you know, to, to go into a project where you're sharing these, you know, these personal stories, I, I think helps put up some guardrails so that you, you know what's going to be the best and most helpful to someone reading it or, or hearing it. And, um, and I continually ask the Lord to help me with this. Particularly, there was a lot of fear in writing Messy Hope. Mm. Um, my daughter, after her experience a couple years post her suicidal attempt, um, she wrote a blog. And she wrote, she actually, she actually called me up one day and she's like, hey, mom. So how do you get people to read your blog? And I said, well, you put it on Facebook and, you know, that's going to help you get people to read the, read the blog. Now I should have followed up with the question, what's your blog about? But, um, I didn't think to do that. Well, she put her blog out. I read it and it was about, um, wrestling with or wrestling against, I should say, depression and it was written from a place of trying to help her peers seek help and to get help. Well, of course, that cut me to the heart and reading it. And I knew it was such an important message. And God kept spinning it around in my brain as hard as it was to, to kind of go back there and think about that stuff. Um, and I started thinking, gosh, Lord, I know that parents need this information too, so that they can help their kiddo. 
They can help their kids who are struggling or they can help prevent a situation. And so I asked my daughter if she would be a part of that project. And she was all for it. And it's like, okay. And going into it, I needed to ask her how she felt in certain situations and and all of this. And as we went into um, her story, I kept saying, are you okay with this? Is this, because I was afraid it was going to kick her back into those dark times. And finally, she said, mom, you need to know I'm good. And I hardly relate to that person anymore. And then I felt like I could move forward. Um, But also that fear helped me make sure that I was providing um, accurate information to parents. Because I am not a therapist. I'm a licensed parent and family educator. And I wanted to make sure that I had this spot on. So I researched. I really did some deep researching. And then I had um, pastors and parents and health, you know, mental health professionals um, and educators read the material to make sure that what I had was was correct and it was helpful to parents, even though it's written from a mom's perspective. And um, I even have a clinical uh, child psychologist uh, as one of my endorsers from the Mayo Clinic. So I I know it. the information is, is what it needs to be and it comes from a mom's heart. So I think that moving into the project with fear and asking for God's wisdom I think those were the the two things that really helped me craft the material so that it would be something that would speak to the reader. Well, it's not it's not a weak thing to surround yourself with individuals that know more than yourself on certain topics, um, and certainly act as safeguards for you, even for things that you may post to social media or you know you're going to send in a, a relationship. So. I, I truly believe that things having people that you can just, hey, will you be available that I could shoot this over to you because I'm about to send it? People that will be available uh, to you in that. It sounds like also with with where your journey uh, with your family, yourself, there's been some some setbacks along. You know, maybe the the highs, and then you get a really big negative thing that comes into your life. And uh, I think that's something all of us experience just through life and it's easy to just be like well this is the way life this is the way of the world this is the way life is but tools for a tool bag from your experience how do you recommend uh navigating those setbacks those moments of discouragement when you're on that path of healing the journey of restoration and then out of nowhere bam it just hits you Uh, how do you navigate those Yeah, great question. So there are actually quite a few ways to navigate it, but I'm going to start with the one that I think really has helped me the most. Um, In John 16, 33, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. He gives it to us straight. Yeah, in this world, you will have trouble. Isn't that the truth? That is the truth. In this world, you will have trouble. And then he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So when we can navigate the realistic difficulties that we are bound to have, we are bound to experience fear. We're bound to experience sadness and grief. We're bound to experience anger. And we're going to get joy and happiness too, because we are going to live a full life. We'll live a full life. And in this world, we will have trouble. But God doesn't leave us there. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So to have that that supernatural encouragement, that supernatural hope to take heart, I have overcome the world. As you navigate these hard things, to remember that God is with you. God is with me. He is with you. We are not alone. And in this whole Western culture, we think we're, we have to do everything on our own. We have to be independent. And, and some of the things that can 
help during those setback times that you were referring to, Nate, is to know we're not alone. And God has probably put someone straight in front of us that can be a help to us if we are vulnerable and if we ask for help. Now, again, you want wisdom in who you ask, right? They, you want them to be a safe person, a person who you know will keep a confidence, um, someone who will ask questions rather than perhaps try to solve your problem, who will come alongside you. These are people that the Lord has placed in our lives. They're there, but we have to do the giant step of asking for help. And to know that God has created us to be independent, to be interdependent among each other in community and dependent upon him. So when we can remember that we need to depend upon him during those setbacks while being interdependent, asking for help, being humble enough to accept help or receive it, um, I think those are some really big things. Those are probably the biggest tools that we we have, knowing God is with us and he has put someone, at least one other person in our lives, to come alongside of us. Well, let's go down that road a little bit more because it's so good. And there's this idea of, and you touched on it a little bit, uh, you know, guiding, guarding your heart um, and protecting yourself while you're walking through uh, your healing journey. And there's all sorts of, you know, negative experiences, but there's also negative influences as you're going through. Uh, there's things that can get you off your spiritual journey, off your journey with your those that are closest to you, off of your own uh, restoration from whatever it may be in your life. Um, and what are maybe some of those ways that individuals can guard their hearts, their minds really as well? Because, you know, as you're going through research, you know, if you're not doing what you did and trusting individuals to, hey, look over the research that I've done, research can mean anything these days, really. Mm -hmm. I did a Google search and uh, that's research. Uh, you can go anywhere with it. So maybe one of those, those ways that individuals can guard their hearts, guard their minds, against negative influence while they're also seeking that healing, that growth on their journey of restoration? Well, I can say for me, um, when I am, you know, looking for that, that help, those resources, probably for me, first I start to see if we have a common bond of faith because that's critical to me. So good, yes. And, and that's, that's where I think wisdom is really found. God's wisdom is, is there for us. And if you have someone who is on their faith journey, who is, you know, easily as mature, if not even more mature in their faith, that to me is, is the first thing. But there are also people who are mature in their faith, but the way they maybe interact isn't something that's helpful to you. Um, sometimes people can mat be mature in their faith and then have what you might consider maybe a condescending attitude or, a, or it could be worse or look how God has blessed you in these ways. Why are you worried about this? Or when God closes a door, he opens a window. You know, I, I try to avoid people that are, are going to give me platitudes um, because that is not helpful. And in any struggle, um, and, and you might, you know, I know when my kids are going through hard times, I might want to say that because I've got the experience to know that this isn't the end of the story. This is just the middle of the mess, you know, and, and you'll be looking back. But, but in the middle of the mess, it's not helpful to hear, well, you know, just be thankful because you just wait and see what God does which I believe, but it's not sensitive and it's very discounting. So looking for the wisdom, the godly wisdom from people, but also do they have that um, sensitivity to respond to you in a way that 
that really helps, that makes you feel as though they're walking with you versus, you know, they're kind of shaming in a way. Um, because once you start discounting something, what ends up happening is the person that you've perhaps told them it's not that big of a deal, they're going to respond with either how it is that big of a deal and they will start arguing with you or they're going to shut down and not tell you anymore. So probably better to listen and to ask some questions. Um, And when you can find that person, and I know that person is there, when you can find that person who has that godly wisdom along with that um, emotional maturity, that emotional intelligence, uh, I think you found found the one that can walk through you with and during those setbacks. I do think it's important, along with what you're saying, uh, and you alluded to it, not to have people that will give you just spiritual bypasses, you know, no actionable items, uh, just pray more or which fully believe in the power of prayer. Don't want to get emails about that. Uh, fully believe in God's power and that he can intervene in our lives. And he does. Um, but just to have a spiritual bypass of, you know, a slap a bandaid scripture verse on something some people might like that because it gives you just a little bit more time to wallow or just not do work, um, and that's not to be shaming in any way. Um, that can be uh, a, a a consolation, a, a way of coping. Um, but then, you know, there is times we need to do action. And that kind of leads me to another question here, which, which I think you've talked about in the past, but there's, there's a balance between doing some work yourself and then trusting in God's plan, surrendering to God's plan. How can individuals maintain a healthy balance as they're wanting to rest in God, allow him to save them and do do a miracle in their life while also taking action to bring about change in your own life? Because um, I think there can be a trap there to, well, to, to trust in yourself um, but you know, we have to trust in God. That can be like this quandary where you end up. What do I do? Where do, do I do I rest? Do I wait? Do I do action? Um, where is the faith part of my healing journey? Uh, if I'm not actually having faith that God's going to heal me, do I throw away the medications? Do I uh, stop going to a human uh, counselor, a Christian counselor? How do you walk that balance? That healthy balance. <laughs> You know, so often don't you get this where people will say, well, I need to pray about it. And absolutely. But you're right. Sometimes that ends up being the thing where you have, you're not moving forward then too. So prayer is critical. It is important. And also moving forward and trusting the Lord. It's sort of that idea of getting out of the boat, right? Mm -hmm. So so yeah, the they were waiting and they were they were scared and probably doing a lot of praying during that whole ordeal where the waves were getting big, but Peter got out of the boat. Mm. You know, he 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 took the brave action step to get out of the boat. And and even though fear did overcome him, he still got out of the boat. And that was pretty great. Sometimes you have to get out of the boat. I saw this little meme where there's, uh, there was a fisherman and there were no fish on his side of the boat. And it said something about him being patient. And then on the other side was fish all over on that side of the boat. So sometimes patience is good, but could it be that God is changing course with you? And, and I think you only know that if you are in prayer and then take that, that step of faith, stepping out of the boat or switching sides and where you're fishing to find out maybe this is what God has. And, you know, I just... There are some things that I think, and you had mentioned a couple of things that I, I really think is good, like, like resting in the Lord and abiding in him. Yes. Yes, we do do that. 
Often that abiding in him is also connected to wrestling with him, not against him, but wrestling with him. And then at the end of that, yeah, you may come out with a little bit of a limp, but what you might find is that that is your new direction, even though it's a little painful. And the only way you know that is to combine prayer with stepping out. And stepping out is scary. It's very scary. Um, but I always think of the book of James. I just, when I read that, I always think, just do it. Like, have your action. Action is important. And if you make a misstep, it's okay. God will help get you back to where you need to go. So, um, yes, rest, wrestle, and move forward, and then see if the course needs to be adjusted. We're only one R word away from a full sermon there. Rest, wrestle, and I don't. <laughs> I know. We. Get, I was thinking, what would be another another one that would sound like that? But I I'm, I'm a big one, one for for restoration. So we could, you know, I don't know. We yeah. could, we could figure that out. <laughs> But and I, I want to be careful here is what I uh, of what I say next because you know I hear that um, that wrestling with God uh, which is obviously a biblical like Jacob I, it's obvious what yes. we're talking about there, um, but then when you think about actually doing it yourself, <laughs> mm-hmm. especially when you maybe some have grown up in a culture where uh, authority is something where it's not where you're, you're, you're even supposed to question necessarily. It's something that you're even supposed to anticipate what authority is going to say next so that you can make sure that you're in line. And so with some, not everyone, in certain circles, authority and wrestling with authority, and, and God is the ultimate authority, and, and rightfully so, uh, wrestling with authority can seem like, uh, almost a sin in a way. It can be something like, no, I should not question that. I should just be anticipating what God wants me to do next. And if I can't figure it out, that's my fault. Um, you know, and it becomes this self introspection, this, this, this self, uh, I, I have to figure out things, uh, myself. Uh, otherwise I'm not doing the will of God. What are your thoughts on that of, cause I, <laughs> I don't want to get emails that way too, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, Hey, you said we should wrestle with God and, you know, and, and combat him. No, that's not what I think we're saying here at all. Dig wrestle a with, there. not against, yeah. right? Oh, keep going there. Yeah. So I think if you're wrestling against God, that's different than wrestling with him. Wrestling with him is fighting through the circumstances and trying to find the way that's going to work to, to navigate that and navigate the hard stuff. Like I was wrestling with God regarding writing messy hope. I knew that that was something that he wanted me to do. And he's patient with me. And I asked a lot of questions and asking questions of the Lord is a, is good. It's okay. And all we have to do is look back to Moses. He asked God a lot of questions regarding the position that the Lord was putting him in. And he made certain requests. And and the Lord allowed Aaron to be a part of that, right? So to ask questions is good. And that's wrestling with the Lord. It's not challenging his authority. It's not being disobedient. It's like, I want to know the best way. And sometimes the best way isn't the easiest way. Sometimes the best way is actually kind of hard. It might be a simple answer, but it doesn't mean that that walk, that journey is going to be easy. Usually the answer is fairly simple, but it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. So when you wrestle with God, that's trying to figure out what is that path and and is it going to be a, a little bit of an uphill climb here? It might be. What, what an amazing thought to think uh, that you actually have a, a voice with the creator of the universe. Like, mm-hmm. he already knows your thoughts. We understand that. But to actually think that he would listen to you. And he has his will. He he, he knows where he's going. And it's in our best interest to bend to that will. and be, Okay, yes. 
but ask the questions. Uh, you know, I, with my kids, I, it's, it's, it's a fine line to try to teach them to, uh, to have a voice and then also not talk back. <laughs> Cause yeah, you, you know, um, respect and honor yeah. can be woven into the questioning. Oh, absolutely. You know? So one of the things we do is I make sure when we're doing something and you need to obey, you say, yes, sir. And then you add, may I ask why? Instead of just going right into, and of course, I'm going to say yes. A loving Heavenly Father will always say, yes, I'm here to listen. Um, so the question, hey, can, can I ask you some questions? Let's talk. It, it endears that. It, there's that respect there as well. And he's the yeah, ultimate. And it connects the relationship, right? Yeah. You know, it, that's a connector. Yeah. And that's important because relationship is where we have our influence. And we learn that from the Lord. Relationship is where he has influence in our lives, our relationship with him. So when you're in a trusting relationship, you can ask questions and, and to ask them in a way that is respectful. Um, I think that's just, that's important. Yeah. If you find yourself in a relationship where you don't have a voice, where you're not allowed to ask questions, and certainly there's moments where, you know, if you're running towards a car that's going to run you over. It's not a time for questions, obviously. With all those extreme caveats out of the way, in general, if you find yourself in a relationship where you don't have a voice, you don't have the ability to uh, question what a decision may be, it's probably not an emotionally safe uh, relationship. And and we've talked about, we've alluded to that, uh, being emotionally safe, building, you've talked uh, in, in your writings about building healthy relationships on the journey of restoration, it is, it's so important uh, to have those emotionally safe people. Uh, and we've learned in episodes of this podcast, one of the best ways to find emotionally safe people is to work on becoming an emotionally safe person so mm-hmm. you can understand what that looks like. Uh, so maybe I'd turn, turn it uh, here a moment and, and go down that avenue. What, what does it maybe mean uh, from your experience to be an emotionally safe person and, and let's continue on why that's maybe important to relationships. I think an emotionally safe person and, and a person that I would like to be is someone who can hold a confidence mm. and is loyal, and but also able to speak up if there's something that needs to be said. And... An emotionally safe person isn't wishy-washy, right? They, they're going to listen and they are, they're going to come alongside you. But if they see that you're headed down a, a path of destruction, they're going to speak into that with gentleness and respect, but they're going to speak into it. And it's important for us to be able to not only, um, have grace with one another, but also to speak truth. And when you can do both of those things, that's huge. If you're only going to focus on truth, that's way too harsh. If you're only going to focus on grace, they're going to end up being able to go down some slippery slope that you're not, that's not going to be good for them. So you need to weave both of those things in. And that's, an emotionally safe person, someone who can do both of those things while holding a confidence and being loyal and um, avoid those platitudes and avoid shaming. Um, Avoid, here's something that really surprised me, Nate, toxic positivity. Hmm. (laughs) And you've probably heard that term before, but as I was researching, that was actually a newer term to me. And you can be so positive that it's toxic. People Mm. need to be able, as Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, right? They need to get the realistic thing. They need realism. So positivity, we, we want to have a positive outlook. That's a good thing. But when it's so positive that it negates whatever difficulty or whatever feeling you're experiencing, then it becomes toxic. So we want to be careful of that. And we don't want to be a person who only spews positive things. Um, I think 
pre-mess, right? Before before a mess. And, and as you are, at, like you, as you're raising your kiddos to, to demonstrate what it means to have a positive attitude. That's very important. Very important because that will help with their resiliency. And, and to to know that, yeah, this, this is, this is good or to demonstrate gratefulness. Um, gratefulness and thankfulness can really cancel out um, a lot of um, feelings that can be harmful. If you can pop back to that. Now, with that caveat in the middle of the mess, you're not going to say, well, list all the things you have to be grateful for, because that that's not going to feel as if you've been heard. But if you have been raised consistently with more of a positive outlook and and a grateful heart, those things are going to add to the resiliency. Yeah, when people have those extremes, uh, as I'm, you know, because I'm always looking for people to speak into my life. I, I truly am. Uh, but when I meet people that have those extremes of, you know, either uh, the true, oh, bless your heart, it'll be fine. You know, here's the, the po- toxic positivity. Um, and, and but also maybe the other side, too, where people are like, well, I'm just tough love and this generation is soft. And you know, that really what you're talking about, that condescending, if y'all would have, sometimes I just want to reach out and be like, well, you know, who was supposed to teach us, but let's move on. Um, but <laughs> those extremes, finding someone who is balanced and regulated and open to learning themselves, because it's okay to get it wrong. It is, it's okay. It's just making it right as best you can. Uh, as you're moving through your journey and those, those emotional safe people, um, when you find them, uh, when you identify them, how do you build that, that deeper connection with them without it being weird? You know, like you just walk up like, Hey, you're, you seem emotionally safe. I want a better relationship <laughs> with you. You know, like how, how do you do that? You know, I, I think it's really organic. Um, mm. You know, you're you're out for lunch with a friend, and and you can kind of pick up on some qualities that lead you to believe, oh wow, you know this this is a trustworthy person. Um, it's less organic if you are looking for a therapist or a counselor. Then then I think you could, before you choose someone, ask some questions um, on how they, you know, maybe their philosophy. And um, and how they how they counsel and advise. Um, so in that way, you can kind of interview someone in a more less organic setting. But otherwise, I do think it's it's more organic, and it it's kind of a red flag if someone were to if you were just to meet someone. And to go out for lunch with them, and all of a sudden they spill everything. Mm. To me, that maybe they don't have some good personal boundaries, and and I don't I don't know if that's really healthy. So for me, I think it's more organic and and uh, time. And, you know, I don't know. Have you ever been on a plane where all of a sudden someone you're seated next to somebody and they just tell you their entire life story? Mm-hmm. And I guess they you seem safe to them because you're a stranger and maybe they needed to talk. But, um, you know, that to me is a, a false setting. So to have relationships. And to over time sort of discern whether that person is safe or not. And I've I've made some mistakes in thinking some people are safe. I've made certain assumptions because we share a same faith. I've made assumptions that they're safer than perhaps they were. Mm. So time will time shows you, and there's that that line when, you know, somebody, I think it um Mia Angelo maybe is the one that said this, but when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. And I, I think that's good advice. And, you know, that 
the tough love thing that you had mentioned before, like yeah. you got to tough it out and, and, you know, do it on your own. Or there's the flip side to that, the continual rescuing, sure. right? Yes, yes. So we want to avoid both of those. Again, grace and truth, right? We we want we want both to to build resiliency. We want to come alongside and help, you know, but we don't want to rescue so that that person is able to build up some emotional resiliency. And um, and yes, we need to own it. And I, I think when we talk tough love, I think the idea behind that perhaps is a good one. It's just doesn't come out right. Um, the idea, I think, is not necessarily independence, but perhaps responsibility. Mm. And responsibility is important. Yes. So responsibility, resiliency, these are all things that are critical, but they all need to go hand in hand. You can't have just tough love. You can't just rescue. You you need to meld these things together and figure out where you need to step in and where you need to step back. Yeah, the the the, the metaphor of the butterfly and the chrysalis is is coming to mind of of that a term that people don't, or, or uh, an idea that people don't really touch on a lot is the continual rescuing. I love my kids. I'm going to rescue them. Of course, God rescues me all the time. I'm going to rescue them. Um, and there's a balance there because it not rescuing can seem like the extreme of tough love, but like with a butterfly and a chrysalis, once they've done all the work uh, and, and they've wrapped themselves in there, it takes time. But the struggle to get out of that uh, cocoon, that is what provides blood flow. Well, it, I don't know if a, a butterfly has blood, but uh, it provides that uh, connection and the actual way for the, the wings to unfurl. And if you let them out too soon or you rescue them from their own chrysalis, then they're not going to be able to fly. They're not going to be able to become all that they could be. Um, and so beautiful. What a balance. I, I don't know how you, it seems like you're just bound to get it wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and that's okay. You know, just like with your kids, like you said, you know, the mistakes and the the failures and the struggles are okay. So then what do you learn from it? Mm. You know, and yeah, you will get it wrong. And and a lot of times just out of love, we swoop in because we don't want our kids to to struggle. But yet again, the natural consequences and the struggles will help build that resiliency so that when they're they're not under your roof anymore they've had some experience on how to deal with disappointment so that they don't fall into despair right away that they're like okay this is disappointment maybe i need to adjust course you know and i think those are those are really good things um to, to teach your kids some flexible thinking and problem-solving skills. These are things that will help build their resilience along the way. And yeah, it's okay for them to struggle and, and for them to know that you are there if they need need your help. I, I have this line that um, I have in my book, The Messy Life of Parenting, and it's it ended up being our family philosophy. And Really, it only started by self-preservation because it was driving me crazy. They would spill constantly. So we had four kids, um, five and under, right? And so spillage was like a part of every single meal. And it was so annoying because <laughs> it happened all the time. And I could start to feel myself getting really mad about these spills, like really mad. It was just, and I thought, okay. And it was more for me than it was for my kids. I have to say, I'm sorry to say it wasn't an altruistic kind of a way I got there. I'd like to say it was, but it wasn't. So I finally thought, I got to get a handle on this because I am just getting too upset. So I started saying, that's okay. Everybody spills. I'll help you clean it up. When I said, that's okay, that changed something in me. Because every, you know, that is okay. It's just a spill, right? That's okay. It normalized the spill. And it did something for my kids. It normalized it. 
everybody spills. Again, it normalized the struggle. It put it in perspective for me. That's okay. Everybody spills. And then I'll help you clean it up. Now, a lot of times um, when you're looking at parenting information, a lot of times they would say, that's okay. Everybody spills. Go grab a rag and clean it up, right? And, th and that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. That's, that's being responsible and cleaning up your mess. But what ends up happening is if you don't more often than not say, that's okay, everybody spills, I'll help you clean it up. What ends up happening is that idea of independence is reinforced. Again, independence isn't bad, but it's not best. Interdependence is best. And so they'll start saying, well, that's not my mess. I don't need to clean it up. Or if you say, help your brother pick up whatever, well, I'm not going to help them. They did that, right? Why do I need to clean that up? If, if you say that's okay, everybody spills clean up your mess, rather than I will help you. But if you continually say as often as you can, and you can't do it all the time because sometimes they need to be involved and, and you just can't help them. But if they know that you're going to be coming alongside them, that gives a very different message. That's a message of humility and grace and love. And those are things that I want in my family rather than I didn't do it. You did it. You've got to fix it. I want us to work together. Mm. And um, so then that's okay. Everybody crashes the car. We'll help you figure it out. You know, it. Once you get to that phase, and, and the beautiful thing is, Nate, when you start saying that, and the, if you happen to be within earshot but not in the kitchen and somebody spills, the siblings start saying to each other, that's okay, everybody spills, I'll help you clean it up. Now, that's a family that I want to live in where this everybody you know, is helping each other out, like the three musketeers, all for one and one for all, rather than the lone ranger. You you made that mess. You figure it out. And, you know, again, sometimes there's times you cannot enter in and help. Helping is very different than taking over. It's not, that's okay. Everybody spills. I'll fix it for you. Yes. Right? You're their helper. That's very different. So um, that's interdependency. Yeah, interdependence, not codependence. Uh, I've got right. your back. Um, man, I, can, I just imagine there's someone out there listening. And they're like, ooh, I'd love to have a family at all. Uh, feeling real lonely. But like we talked previously, there are people God will put in your path that are healthy emotionally. And I, I, we all need someone as we're going through life to say, that's okay. Everybody spills. I'll help you clean. That's good. We are okay. We didn't get to like any of the questions. Uh, just about. <laughs> <laughs> we always have too many. Uh, but before I ask you, uh, maybe a closing question: uh, where, where can we find out more uh, about you and, and uh, Lori Wildenberg, and uh, maybe some projects you may be working on? Tell us a little bit about where we can find more about you. Sure. So you can find me at lauriewildenberg.com, L-O-R-I-W-I-L-D-E-N-B-E-R-G.com. And you can find my resources there. Um, oh, and this might be helpful, Nate, to people. If you go to lauriewildenberg.com slash resiliency, uh, you can get 10 ways to increase resiliency in either yourself or your kids. So um, I offer that up to people if they would like to get that. And, uh, you know, I do all kinds of speaking and writing. I have lots of six different books that can help you with your family. Um, you can find those on my website. Um, you can also go to Amazon and find them any online. Or you can go to your brick and mortar stores. And if they're not on the shelves, um, gosh, you know, they can order them for you. So those are some things that you can find. Um, right now it's the summer and I'm doing lots of podcasting and working with my clients. I, uh, I coach parents of children ages zero 
all the way up to parents of adult children. Um, those parents of adult children typically have someone that they are having relational difficulties with. Um, usually the parents of younger kids have more strategies they're struggling with, toilet training or sleeping. So I, I do the whole business. <laughs> so anyway, um, I'm available for that as well. So if you go to my website, also um, you can find me on Facebook, particularly at uh, Moms Together. I have a Moms Together community page and a Moms Together group where if you're a mom or a grandmom, you can find encouragement, support, and resources and lots of mom and grandmom conversations. So um, that's that's another place where you can find me. I'm really all over social media. So yeah, Good, good, good. We'll put uh, a link in the show notes for that for easy access. Uh, so you, if you're listening right now, just scroll down there, tap on that. Hey, while you're down there, go ahead and uh, leave a review. Tap five stars. Helps out a lot. We're almost to the end here. Um, and I, I do like to hand it over to the guests just for a moment to speak directly to the listeners. Um, as they're listening through this episode today, maybe resonating with some things that you say, uh, maybe also saying, man, I, I wish I could listen more because I have all sorts of uh, parenting issues, whether that's, you know, my kiddo or my adult kiddo. But maybe uh, handing it over to you, what what final encouragement, advice would you share with our listeners who may be in the midst of their own messy journey, uh, trying to move towards hope on their journey of restoration? A word of encouragement, what would that be from, uh, from you today? Well, could I give you two scriptures? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So Psalm 118, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And that was very helpful to me for a couple of days <laughs> until I started getting sort of mad at the Lord, like, this is the day you made. Come on, God, fix it. So <laughs> the, the unabridged version there. <laughs> right, right. But the Lord nudged me to read that entire psalm. And the psalmist is in the middle of a battle for his life. And he's surrounded on all sides. And in the middle of that battle, that's what he says. And then I could pray that psalm. I could say those words. And it helped me to get through the moment, through the day. And then there's another one that um, my, my daughter was in a near fatal snowboard accident. And she was unconscious. She had ruptured her spleen, but we didn't know this. She had ruptured her spleen. And she was... There's a big story, but I'm just gonna give you this little snippet. As they were getting ready to wheel her off into um, surgery, I said, God, what do I say to her? What if this is the last time I speak to my kiddo? And she was unconscious. And he said, tell her I'm with her. And I said, Kendra, God is with you. And then they wheeled her off. And I was like, what the heck, God? That's what I say. Don't I tell her that I love her? And it was, so strong in my spirit, he said, no, she knows that. She needs to know I'm with her. A couple days later, after she made it through the surgery and they you know, took out, she was intubated, they took the tube out. I asked her, did you hear what I said to you when they wheeled you off, thinking there's no way she heard me, she was unconscious. And she said, yeah, mom, you told me God is with me. And then almost as if on cue, Nate, this is just the coolest thing. We were at a Catholic hospital and they were reading scripture every day. Check this out. Right after she said that, this is what came over the loudspeaker. Do not fear, I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right arm. Isaiah 41.10, God is with you. You are not alone. And he has placed someone right in front of you to act as his hands and feet. Be brave, be wise, ask for help from the person that he has placed in front of you and be wise as you ask that person. Wow. So good. It's amazing how God can anywhere 
seemingly anywhere create a sacred space, a moment where he just, in his own creative way, reveals himself uh, to us. Uh, it sounds like he did that for you right there at, at the bedside. Uh, wow, so good. We, we've run out of time, but uh, thank you. Um, thank you for coming on this episode uh, and sharing with us, uh, Lori. So uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on Great Story Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me and blessings to your family. And for you, the listener, we do appreciate you tuning in for this episode. Um, thanks. Thanks so much for listening. If you're listening on Apple podcast, uh, go ahead and uh, give us a follow, tap a five-star rating, drop a review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow there and hit the notification bell to never miss an episode. Like I say, every time there is no us without you. So get engaged Continue on your journey of restoration. Uh, We'll be here in two weeks for a new episode. And until then, we'll be praying for you.